Welcome to this episode of Mountain Wisdom. Today we are going to look at the new normal or the end. Seems we are living in the land of confusion. A lie is now considered truth. The truth is a conspiracy. If you have morals and instill values, you're labeled a domestic terrorist. If you loot, riot, or attack the police, you are a hero. For the younger generation, this is normal. For the mid-level crowd, the new normal. For the old-timers, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. For the believer, it is the beginning of the end. Our way of life is being destroyed and buried daily. Nothing new under the sun, says the preacher. The book of Ecclesiastes has this theme throughout the whole book. If you have never read it, I encourage you to do so. <clears throat> you have already heard chapter 3. Rock group, the birds, had a hit with it called Turn, Turn, Turn. Sorry to disappoint any bird fans out there, but they did not write the song. So let's continue on. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to the end. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 shows you this moral decay in detail. Let's read some of it and see if this coincides with the world we live in. <clears throat> Let us start in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, then the Greek. Verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Is it hard to voice your faith these days? Is it not? Take a moment and think when the last time was you proclaimed it. Or the times you just went along to get along. Not being rude or judgmental, sad to say, I too have done this. After the moment has passed, you think, why didn't I say something? I mean, here is Paul, the writer of this book we're in, in chains for Christ. And he is proclaiming his faith. Are we faithless, or is there something else? Talk to an elder. For you young people, that's someone who you think is ancient, not your parents, someone even older than that. But if we look back in the 1950s and prior, I bet if someone was immoral or unrighteous, they told you about it. Of course, you were not labeled a domestic terrorist for it, maybe a crotchety old man at worst. So what has changed? Let us read on. Picking up in verse 18 and 19, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Whoa, I don't know if you saw that or not, but what's this wrath of God? I thought God was this old man sitting on a cloud, and Jesus, well, he's my friend who overlooks my sins and faults. 
not saying your sins are not or cannot be forgiven, for all men sin and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, it even says there is no righteous, no, not one. Even the writer of Romans says this. That Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and Paul pro proclaims who I am chief. That's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. So here we are. We have a uh, problem. Here we have the author of, the, of most of the New Testament, a man who converted his whole life and lived most of it beaten and in chains, proclaiming to be the chief of sinners. Where does that leave us? Verse 16, we look back at it, is where the power of God's salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ, who is it for? It's for all who believe. Here again rises another problem. Now we have a way out, right? That's what it says. So that trip to the strip club and that drunken feast, I guess that's okay. I mean, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Well, is it based on the definitions of what is righteous and godly? Where can we find what is righteous and godly to avoid, to avoid God's wrath? Let us keep reading and see if we can find out. Let's go to verse 20. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even in his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Looking at this, God has had a plan on how we are to live since the beginning. So really, we have no excuse. It even says so, the very first sentence. Since the creation of the world, his plan for us has not changed. Love him, honor him, worship him, rely on him as your father, and acknowledge him as the Godhead and creator of all. Well, let's let us see how, uh, how we did with that. The very next verse, there it is. They knew God, they knew to glorify him, they did not nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. 24, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Hmm. The truth is a lie, and a lie is a truth. Hmm. And worshiped and served the Creator rather than the Creator. Worshiped and served the creation rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. I understand this was 57 A.D. Sounds like a news broadcast from the Summer of Love. Now, I've never seen a criminal portrayed as a hero 
and made into a statue that you can worship, all the while tearing down monuments and rewriting books of real men of faith and courage and real women of faith and courage who forged and shaped this country. What is and where is the reprisal for these acts? If we look in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. The reprisal, God gave them over to it. They rejected him, so he's like, have at it. Remember, we have free will. That was God's plan from creation. Another part of the plan, men are to be with women and women with men. Remember, he created Adam and Eve to go forth and multiply the earth. Also, for the people who are committing these acts of homosexuality, you are not born that way. You are given over to it. Because of your twisted and debased mind, you choose to be this way. And since you reject the righteousness of God and your right and you have the right to free will, he allows you to do it. However, it does come with a price and a penalty, which you are due. If he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they practiced these acts, what do you think the penalty is for us? But I think we are all in trouble, though, as we will see. If we look in verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do these things which are not fitting. Hmm. I just counted the things that God considers not fitting. There's 23 things on this list. Maybe some of us are safe and do not practice such things. Let's read the list and see where we're at. Number one, being filled with unrighteousness. Number two, sexual immorality. Number three, wickedness. Four, covetousness. Five, maliciousness. Six, full of envy. Seven, murder. Eight, strife. 9. Deceit. 10. Evil-mindedness. 11. Whisperers, backbiters. 12. Haters of God. 13. Violent. 14. Proud. Number 15 on the list, boasters. 16. Inventors of evil things. 17. Disobedient to parents. 18. Undiscerning. 19. Untrustworthy. 20, unloving, 21, unforgiving, 22, unmerciful. I think 23 is probably the worst, next to number one, in the whole list. Those who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, knowing these things are wrong, is basically what that says, that those who practice such things 
are deserving of death. That's okay. You know, you choose to do these things, you know, you're free to do it, but, you know, there is a penalty with it. But it pauses and it says, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So maybe you don't do this, but your buddy does and you do nothing to prevent it in God's eyes and under his definition of righteousness. You're just as guilty as if he did it. So, hmm. on that example, did anybody make it through the checklist? I did not. I did not even get past the first one. Even if I could have, number 2, 4, 14, 21, and 23 got me. Wow. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself now. I mean, here I am trying to teach a lesson. And I'm as guilty as the sinner who did not make it past number seven, which is a murderer. The truth is, none of us can get down this list without being punished. For there is no one righteous. No, not one. And that was the very first thing on his list. Paul backs this up in the next chapter, two chapters away in Romans, chapter 3, verse 10. That there's no one righteous, no, not one. Now what do we do? I mean, here we are, we're not righteous. We're due a penalty of death. I mean, that's that's the rules. So again, what do we do? We hold on to the promise in faith that is given to us in verse 16. For I can stand here and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I have full access to God's salvation and his righteousness. I can stand here and say, I believe in faith that through God's power of salvation and having been cleansed of all unrighteousness, all of it, the whole list, through the shedding of his son's blood, I am made righteous and freed from all sin. That is the gospel. Amen. Concluding thoughts. Uh, a brief pause, just to ponder all that for a minute. We are all sinners, and we all fall short of God. Thankfully, Jesus paid the price for my sins, and your sin, and everyone's sin. But if the church would get back to preaching this gospel... And if the hearers in the churches would boldly stand and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, we would see a revival in this country like no other. As we are in the last days, it is more important now than ever to go to work, for it is daylight, but soon it will be dark and no work can be done. 
I ask that God gives his strength to the reader or listener to this to boldly profess the gospel for the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. I just thank you for listening to this and ask that the Holy Spirit would lead you. And if you need prayer, you can contact us through this site. And I encourage you to search this out on your own. Don't take what I've told you, but research it for yourself. It's in Romans, followed up in Timothy. Everything you need is in the book that was written and given to us, the Bible, on how to live our life, how to worship God, how to serve God. I just encourage you to sit down, read your Bible, ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, find someone that you can confide in, that can help you on this journey. You know, just reach out to God. Whoever seeks, he will find. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. He's standing right there waiting for you to open the door. I just ask these things and ask that you all be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to this episode of Mountain Wisdom. Today we are going to look at the new normal or the end. Seems we are living in the land of confusion. A lie is now considered truth. The truth is a conspiracy. If you have morals and instill values, you're labeled a domestic terrorist. If you loot, riot, or attack the police, you are a hero. For the younger generation, this is normal. For the mid-level crowd, the new normal. For the old-timers, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. For the believer, it is the beginning of the end. Our way of life is being destroyed and buried daily. Nothing new under the sun, says the preacher. The book of Ecclesiastes has this theme throughout the whole book. If you have never read it, I encourage you to do so. <clears throat> you have already heard chapter 3. Rock group, the birds, had a hit with it called Turn, Turn, Turn. Sorry to disappoint any bird fans out there, but they did not write the song. So let's continue on. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to the end. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 shows you this moral decay in detail. Let's read some of it and see if this coincides with the world we live in. <clears throat> Let us start in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, then the Greek. Verse 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. Are you ashamed of the gospel? Is it hard to voice your faith these days? Is it not? Take a moment and think when the last time was you proclaimed it. 
or the times you just went along to get along. Not being rude or judgmental, sad to say, I too have done this. After the moment has passed, you think, why didn't I say something? I mean, here is Paul, the writer of this book we're in, in chains for Christ, and he is proclaiming his faith. Are we faithless, or is there something else? Talk to an elder. For you young people, that's someone who you think is ancient, not your parents, someone even older than that. But if we look back in the 1950s and prior, I bet if someone was immoral or unrighteous, they told you about it. Of course, you were not labeled a domestic terrorist for it, maybe a crotchety old man at worst. So what has changed? Let us read on. Picking up in verse 18 and 19, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Whoa, I don't know if you saw that or not, but what's this wrath of God? I thought God was this old man sitting on a cloud, and Jesus, well, he's my friend who overlooks my sins and faults. Not saying your sins are not or cannot be forgiven, for all men sin and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, it even says there is no righteous, no, not one. Even the writer of Romans says this, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and Paul proclaims who I am chief. That's found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. So here we are, we have a uh, problem. Here we have the author of, the, of most of the New Testament, a man who converted his whole life and lived most of it beaten and in chains, proclaiming to be the chief of sinners. Where does that leave us? Verse 16, we look back at it, is where the power of God's salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ who is it for? It's for all who believe. Here again rises another problem. Now we have a way out, right? That's what it says. So that trip to the strip club and that drunken feast, I guess that's okay. I mean, I believe. I believe in Jesus. Well, is it based on the definitions of what is righteous and godly? Where can we find what is righteous and godly to avoid, to avoid God's wrath? Let us keep reading and see if we can find out. Let's go to verse 20. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even in his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Looking at this, God has had a plan on how we are to live since the beginning. So really, we have no excuse. It even says so, the very first sentence. Since the creation of the world, his plan for us has not changed. Love him, honor him, 
worship him, rely on him as your father, and acknowledge him as the Godhead and creator of all. Well, let's let us see how, uh, how we did with that. The very next verse, there it is. They knew God, they knew to glorify him. They did not, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Verse 23, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. 24, therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Hmm. The truth is a lie and a lie is a truth. Hmm. And worshiped and served the creator rather than the creed. Worshiped and served the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever. I understand this was 57 A.D. Sounds like a news broadcast from the Summer of Love. Now, I've never seen a criminal portrayed as a hero and made into a statue that you can worship, all the while tearing down monuments and rewriting books of real men of faith and courage and real women of faith and courage who forged and shaped this country. What is and where is the reprisal for these acts. If we look in verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. The reprisal, God gave them over to it. They rejected him, so he's like, have at it. You know, remember, we have free will. That was God's plan from creation. Another part of the plan, men are to be with women and women with men. Remember, he created Adam and Eve to go forth and multiply the earth. Also, for the people who are committing these acts of homosexuality, you are not born that way. You are given over to it. Because of your twisted and debased mind, you choose to be this way. And since you reject the righteousness of God and, your right, and you have the right to free will, he allows you to do it. However, it does come with a price and a penalty, which you are due. If he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah because they practiced these acts, what do you think the penalty is for us? But I think we are all in trouble, though, as we will see. If we look in verse 28, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do these things which are not fitting. Hmm. I just counted 
the things that God considers not fitting. There's 23 things on this list. Maybe some of us are safe and do not practice such things. Let's read the list and see where we're at. Number one, being filled with unrighteousness. Number two, sexual immorality. Number three, wickedness. Four, covetousness. Five, maliciousness. Six, full of envy. Seven, murderer. Eight, strife. Nine, deceit. Ten, evil-mindedness. Eleven, whisperers, backbiters. Twelve, haters of God. Thirteen, violent. Fourteen, proud. Number fifteen on the list, boasters. Sixteen, inventors of evil things. Seventeen, disobedient to parents. Eighteen, undiscerning. Nineteen, untrustworthy. Twenty, unloving. Twenty-one, unforgiving. Twenty-two, unmerciful. I think twenty-three is probably the worst, next to number one, in the whole list. Those who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, knowing these things are wrong, it's basically what that says, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. That's okay. You know, you choose to do these things, you know, you're free to do it, but, you know, there is a penalty with it. But it pauses, and it says, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So maybe you don't do this, but your buddy does, and you do nothing to prevent it in God's eyes and under his definition of righteousness. You're just as guilty as if you did it. So, hmm. On that example, did anybody make it through the checklist? I did not. I did not even get past the first one. Even if I could have. Number 2, 4, 14, 21, and 23 got me. Wow. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself now. I mean, here I am trying to teach a lesson. And I'm as guilty as the sinner who did not make it past number seven, which is a murderer. The truth is, none of us can get down this list without being punished. For there is no one righteous. No, not one. And that was the very first thing on his list. Paul backs this up in the next chapter, two chapters away in Romans, chapter 3, verse 10. That there's no one righteous, no, not one. Now what do we do? I mean, here we are, we're not righteous. We're due a penalty of death. I mean, that's that's the rules. So again, what do we do? We hold on to the promise in faith that is given to us in verse 16. For I can stand here and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, because through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, I have full access to God's salvation and his righteousness. I can stand here and say, I believe in faith that through God's power of salvation, 
and having been cleansed of all unrighteousness, all of it, the whole list, through the shedding of his son's blood, I am made righteous and freed from all sin. That is the gospel. Amen. Concluding thoughts. Uh, a brief pause, just to ponder all that for a minute. We are all sinners, and we all fall short of God. Thankfully, Jesus paid the price for my sins, and your sin, and everyone's sin. But if the church would get back to preaching this gospel... And if the hearers in the churches would boldly stand and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel, we would see a revival in this country like no other. As we are in the last days, it is more important now than ever to go to work, for it is daylight, but soon it will be dark and no work can be done. I ask that God gives his strength to the reader or listener to this to boldly profess the gospel for the harvest is ripe and the workers are few. I just thank you for listening to this and ask that the Holy Spirit would lead you. And if you need prayer, you can contact us through this site. And I encourage you to search this out on your own. Don't take what I've told you, but research it for yourself. It's in Romans, followed up in Timothy. Everything you need is in the book that was written and given to us, the Bible, on how to live our life, how to worship God, how to serve God. And I just encourage you to sit down, read your Bible, Ask Jesus to come into your heart, forgive you of your sins, find someone that you can confide in, that can help you on this journey, you know, just reach out to God. Whoever seeks, he will find. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. He's standing right there waiting for you to open the door. I just ask these things and ask that you all be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen.